Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker, and today on the show, I'm talking to one of the co-founders of Blake Mill, Ken Price, and a little bit of information about Blake Mill, taking inspiration from the world around us and bringing to life stories with bright, bold, and beautiful prints. Blake Mill makes shirts to suit every personality. From Japanese flowers to the map of the world, you can dress the part from head to toe in a selection of wearable art that will transform the way you feel. Founded by three friends, Steve French, Ross French and Ken Price, with a passion to disrupt the men's fashion industry by making high quality dress shirts for people who want to express their individuality through clothes. And here in his own words to talk about Blake Mill is one of the co-founders, Ken Price. Uh, So I'm Ken Price, co-founder and CEO of Blake Mill. Uh, We're a men's fashion brand uh, in in essence, uh, what really differentiates us is our design, our original designs. And that's something we put a lot of effort into. Um, Steve and I both come from finance, technology, and data backgrounds, but we have a lot of interests in things ranging from music and literature uh, to history and science. And it was those passions and interests that started to result in creation of some of these designs, which ended up on to men's shirts and started to create quite a lot of interest originally in the retail community and ultimately through to, uh, to our customers directly. So we're really all about original design and creating those original designs and creating an environment for generating those designs, which we can talk about in a little bit. Sure. Well, how, so how old is the brand now then, Ken? When did you start this up? Uh, the company started up quite a while ago, but we really set ourselves up as a direct-to-consumer business in middle of 2018. Uh, so we've been going for the better part of four years Man. and uh, very, you know, just before COVID and now just after it. So we had a l- little bit of a struggle as everybody did in, in those two years, but uh, things are just starting to grow really fast at the moment. And I, I think I have to talk about the designs of the shirts because I think these are the main uh, key elements really of when people can look at these shirts. And if anyone's on our YouTube channel, then I'm just going through a couple of slides now. I mean, these are some of the more, uh, I want to say prestige shirts, the more outgoing flamboyant shirts. But you also do have something, some shirts that are a little bit more dialed back where, say, the pattern would be on the inside of the collar or on the inside of the cuff. But perhaps just just touch upon these ones that are a little bit more outgoing and, and the design elements, please. Well, we try to cater to the bold and brave as well as to the more subtle and, and cool vibes. And as you say, we uh, were noted a lot for the, the vibrant colors and the bold designs that you're showing here. Uh, a lot of these designs start out really from uh, internet searches on things that are inspiring to us as individuals. So my uh, business partner, Steve, lived in Japan for a while. So some of our shirts are Japanese inspired from Sakura Tree to Cherry Blossom Festival uh, we've got strong interest in science, so we've got some. We've got one shirt with uh, computer code written across it. Huh. We call that shirt "Burn Baby Burn" because that is the name of the software program where we got that computer program. And that's off. Sorry, we got the ones and zeros, and that computer program launched Apollo Eleven to the moon. Oh, fascinating! So we try to put some cheeky meaning into some of our designs. Some of them are just 
skulls, for example, that are colored and styled in, in unique ways. And uh, some of them are just really basic polka dots with a little A for anarchy stuck into them, um, all kinds of different things. So we try to shake it up and cater to uh, people that want to be really out there as well as, as people that are trying to be a little bit more reserved. So I'm actually wearing one of our Lux jerseys and we've got one of our designs um, built into the uh, the accent of the shirt here. So nice. that's a, a Marrakesh design that we've got, which is... You know, again, when it's, it's another inspiration that we're pulling from uh, from the world around us, really. Yeah, I love that. So it's something that's quite personal to you guys, where you're pulling the inspiration, mm-hmm. like you said, from either places you've lived or appreciation of the arts or the sciences. Um, but I guess a question, how would you... Um, draw the line between if say for example i love the band queen <laughs> i guess everyone does but then i go right okay i want to put a mash together of uh, freddie mercury brian may and i want to have it all in like one big face and i'll be like well that looks good to me that'll be a great shirt that i would wear but then how do you decide what is going to be commercial with that as well with those designs it's a great question peter and this is really the beginning of our collaborative design process. And we do a very rudimentary approach to this at the moment. And that's by emailing our um, list of customers, all of the designs that we're considering for production. So we let them, we create a survey and we let them vote on what they like the most. Um, Then we let them place orders for them. And if anything is if I can use the term a total dog, then we'll, we'll just negate that order. But we get our customers involved and our followers in the selection process. The next step, and we're, um, as we were discussing earlier, we're in the middle of a crowdfunding exercise at the moment uh, to raise capital to improve the, I guess, sophistication by which we can start the collaboration process so that we can start engaging artists from all over the world, really, in creating some of these designs and then opening that uh, design gallery up, not just to our customers, but to that same community to start contributing to tweaking and then arriving at different designs that we can start to commercialize, both, both physically and digitally. So the whole collaboration and community development of these designs is, is part of what Steve and I have done for a big chunk of our careers in fintech. And we're, we're um, aiming to bring that through to the fashion. Well, the UK is the greatest uh, place for fintech right now. I read in the Evening Standard yesterday. Um, leaders We've, of fintech. Uh, well, the, our, our previous business was a fintech business in the UK. So there you go. <laughs> you're, in good, you're on good ground. So uh, just clarify for me, though. So it, the, the crowdfunding campaign that's going on at the moment, is this designed for artists, any artists that might want to come in that have an idea and go, hey, guys, can we have a talk about putting my designs on your shirts? Is that how it works? Well, the crowdfunding is around raising capital to help us do a number of things. That includes expanding our product range and starting to give us the ability to sell more effectively into other geographies because we are primarily selling into the United Kingdom at the moment. Uh, but some of that capital will go toward our community development and our technology development so that we can start to create a platform for these independent artists to come in. We currently work with independent artists, but just a few of them. And that's on a point to point basis. 
they don't actually collaborate with each other. They, they interact with us. So we want to create an environment that will enable artists to collaborate directly with Blake Mill, but also with our customers as well as with other artists. So create cohorts that can start to generate mashups of designs that wouldn't otherwise have come together. And that's really what we're about is the originality and creating an environment where originality can thrive. Fascinating. And so the campaign's going at the moment. I believe you said it might be running up until Christmas, if I got that right. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're running live on Cedars at the moment. So you can go onto the cedars.com platform and you can invest in Blake Mill if you choose. And we'll put a link over on the show notes. You can also find a link, I believe, over on your site, Ken, uh, blakemill.co.uk, as well as all the other great shirts. How does it work becoming a member? Is it just a case of signing up to the newsletter or is there a little special portal? Uh, well, the special portal is what we'll be uh, beginning work on uh, mm. in the new year. Mm. Uh, at this stage, though, we work with our, our our email list of customers and followers. So all of those people have the opportunity to vote on our designs today. And uh, we get some of our dedicated customers and followers you know, will interact with us quite regularly. We've had people contributing. We had one person contribute, a, I would almost call it a manifesto of 20 pages of text just talking about the different designs and inspirations that they have. And it's just fabulous to get this feedback. And uh, we, you know, some of it is incredibly useful. Some of it we can't use, but uh, that's the sort of collaboration we already have. It's it's not a terribly sophisticated platform. It's simply email going back and forth. And that's what we're aiming to really ramp up. Right. And that's Yeah, it's great to have like onboard and responsive feedback instantly. So it's something that you might want to think about making. And if you do have a design and it's kind of voted on by the community, do you have to have a certain amount of numbers and pre-sales in order for you to produce these? And are they limited editions as well or limited prints? Oh, okay. So a couple of questions. The first one, in terms of the voting numbers, we have had a few experiences where the absolute top contender when it came to votes did not sell at all. It just was absolutely horrible commercially, oh. but everybody thought it was going to be great. So they voted for it. So now we do a little bit more of an acid test and we tend to do a pre-order once we've confirm that people actually want to buy the product and we have quite a quick turnaround with our manufacturing base so that's all very feasible um so so that's sort of the uh the way we make sure that what our community is asking for is indeed what the market is willing to pay for which is important you know that that's important from everything to from efficiency and inventory control through to sustainability because you don't want to have a whole lot of inventory sitting around and not getting sold it's not good for uh for business nor is it good for the environment if you can't sell all your product yeah and do you have like one eye on sustainability with what other brands might do or do you uh, how else do you implement some sustainability pledges within the brand sustainability is becoming a bigger and bigger criteria for people when they are looking at what to buy when it comes to fashion in particular which has not got a great history when it comes to the environment or sustainability uh, we've started that process in a fairly simplistic way by ensuring our packaging is recycled and recyclable um, we keep our uh, garments plastic free so you won't see a plastic sleeve on the shirt when it comes in its in its box or in nice. its tube. Um, 
we're now in the process. We have a, a new lead buyer joining us next week, actually. And one of her charters is going to be to expand our product range in conjunction with our supplier base. And the suppliers that we will expand to will all have an obligation to stick with the appropriate levels of sustainability criteria that apply to that particular garment. Um, and of course, if you're doing a 100% cotton shirt that has one one level of sustainability criteria versus something that may be a poly blend, which starts to involve other aspects of sustainability. And then there are the dyes that go into the shirts. So we need to make sure those are done and created in an environmentally responsible way. And then right down to the reuse and, you know, what happens to a shirt when it no longer has a place on your, on your rack. Uh, some of our customers buy our products for an occasion and they may only wear it once or twice. Uh, so because these are unique designs and they all get retired after a certain point, they start to take on a value of their own because there is a level of uniqueness. Uh, and with that in mind, we're looking at now putting together a secondary market or at least uniquely identifying every shirt so that they can be valued more appropriately on a secondary market so that they're not going in the bin or um, not getting not getting used. There's got to be a Blake Mill exhibition somewhere. Like I imagine some of these prints, especially the ones that everybody said, yeah, let's have that and then didn't buy it. I mean, that, that must be like the, the main centerpiece in, in the Blake Mill Museum. Uh, you know, we, there is a level of art and we actually do license some works of art that go on to our prints. So we work with uh, a museum in Italy. We're licensing uh, Botticelli. Uh, painting that goes on to our Renaissance shirt. Uh, we work closely with the Lowry here in Manchester uh, and have one of his works on one of our shirts. And those are quite good sellers, actually. So not everything is dead original mm. uh, in terms of being created by Blake Mill or our, our design partners, but uh, we're about expressiveness as well. So sometimes it's a matter of taking what's already a brilliant piece of art, a brilliant image, and uh, make it available as something you can wear. Do you ever come across any slight sensitivities when it comes to licensing? Like, for example, I've, I'm very well versed in the world of James Bond when it comes to logos and not putting James Bond stuff on, on certain <laughs> book covers, shall I say, and I'll just leave that there. But do you have okay. anything where it's happened to you where you thought, oh, this is innocent enough, I can put this on the shirt it's uh, either an astronomer or a mathematician or a famous scientist and then perhaps out of nowhere you've got one of them them awful uh, red letter days uh well we had one very recently and i just referenced the botticelli painting uh which we were looking to do a press release on and i was just in a workshop with my colleagues i did a quick internet search and found that a big french fashion house was being sued by the Italian um, art uh, museum for use of that exact same painting in some of their garments. And mm. we had only produced this garment about a month before. And I was going, oh my gosh, what are we <laughs> going to do? So for some reason, um, this particular fashion label wasn't responding to the museum's requests. And uh, as a result, legal action was being taken. So we reached right out to the museum. And within a couple of days, we had a royalty arrangement in place with them and everything is fine. So oh, okay. uh, 
we were told by our legal counsel that if the artist had been deceased for over 70 years, then you're generally free and clear to use that work. That is not always the case. And we learned that quite quickly. And fortunately, we were able to get everything sorted quickly and no harm, no foul. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love these sort of lessons in life where you're learning the legal stuff along the way. And then by the end of it, you could you could almost become like a... I don't know, a licensed lawyer yourself with all the homework that you put into it, right? When when you're a small company, you don't have a legal department or, you know, all the various experts to hand to manage these things. So you sometimes have to learn along the way. But right. fortunately, Steve and I are uh, relatively experienced in a number of these these things from a different <laughs> industry. But uh, Excuse me, sorry. That's not my dog. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Roger. He's barking at his own shadow. Sorry about that. Watch. The funny-sounding cat, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in any case, we were able to get that button down, and uh, it's all good. Good relief. Well, I mean, so are we outside of the campaign? Are we looking any further beyond the campaign at the moment? Uh, plans for twenty twenty-three? Uh, any exhibitions? I know that I've seen you guys down at the uh, one of the centres down in the Wembley Centre a couple of times. Back in yeah, the that is probably pure down. That's in, right. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Earl's Court area actually. So we haven't been doing exhibitions. Obviously, the COVID outbreak uh, kept everything quiet. Uh, in 2023, we're looking at all kinds of different options. Uh, we brought on earlier this year a head of marketing who's really been helping us shake up our branding and and getting our, our message out there to a much wider audience. So, in fact, we were just having a conversation this afternoon about um, sort of looking at how we're going to budget for 2023 and what are the different ways we can start to make a, a larger audience aware of the Blake Mill brand, what we do, et cetera. And that will dovetail with the design collaboration outreach that we're planning for uh, 2023 as well. So exhibitions may well be part of that. We mm. haven't made any final decisions, but... Um, you know, some of these things are going to be sort of a little bit of guerrilla war- warfare. Uh, we're just starting to do a lot more PR and uh, we have quite a strong emphasis on our influencer program, which has been very successful, uh, some design collaborations, etc. So uh, the world is a lot different now than it was 15, 20 years ago. So you've got to keep and it changes literally every month. So right. you have to keep on top of the different channels to market. So yeah, keep keep your eye on this space, and we'll be uh, we'll show up probably in some places you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I hope so. Well, this space would be blakemill.co.uk, and I encourage everyone to have a look at the site and enjoy the designs because I think there's something for everyone and and all occasions as well. It's not just uh, the party shirt or the, uh, the the holiday shirt. There's also the business shirts and and things in between that you'll you'll enjoy over there. Um, Ken, oh you. We like to say from, from from the bar to the boardroom. From the bar to the boardroom, that's much better. You see, that's why you get the big bucks over actually, there. Actually, from the boardroom to the bar, you you don't actually want to go from the bar to the boardroom. <laughs> well, it's the other it way around. Depends where <laughs> depends what office you're in, but yeah. Um, with, Ken, you were going to tell me how you got from Chiswick to Manchester off air. We were talking about how you were, you were a Chiswickite, um, and then before moving and migrating up to Manchester. So, what's the story there? Well, I actually moved back to Canada, where I'm originally from, after living in Chiswick uh, back in 2002, and then um, I started uh, my my business partner from 
that previous life when I lived in London uh, reached out to me back in, I guess it was 2017 when he had started to put together this business. And uh, I, I invested and started working with him in 2017 from Canada. And then after a couple of years decided it was time to double down, we saw the business starting to grow and moved to Manchester in mid-2019. And um, yeah, we've just really pushed hard on the business and built, we've moved our office. We were actually in a town called Ballington, south of Manchester, but we started out by actually manufacturing our own product. Uh, so everything was done in house. We had our own equipment, our own seamstresses, uh, our own warehousing. Uh, we were doing our own picking and packing. So we decided if we really wanted to scale this business and focus on the design side of the business, then we should start outsourcing to special specialists who actually do the manufacturing at scale and do the warehousing and picking and packing at scale. Right. And we did that and we moved our head office into Manchester where uh, it's turning out to just be a fantastic center for expertise in marketing and finance, advertising, design, fashion. So uh, we're just flooded with expertise here, and it's been a fantastic move. So we're really happy to be based here in Manchester. Wonderful. Well, the old Cottonopolis, the the foundation for British fashion industry. And in fact, our our, our office is in Ancoats, right in the, right. the middle of the uh, the cotton, the old cotton trade. There you go. So you're in you're in good hands over there, Ken. Great, uh, great to finally Absolutely. talk to you after I've known known you a while. We've uh, we've been back and forth back in the day um as we discussed offline that would mean no, nothing to people Indeed. listening to this but uh but it was good to finally catch up with you and um best of luck Likewise, with the campaign Peter. and uh, again blakemail.co.uk is a place people can go and uh, until next time brilliant all right peter thanks very much You've been listening to the Menswear Style podcast. Be sure to head over to menswearstyle.co.uk for more menswear content and email info at menswearstyle.co.uk if you would like to be a future guest on the show. Finally, please help support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time.